0: Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash I
1: mean, there is a validation that I know I get from being part of a PLN that I didn't have before having a PLN. And everybody needs that validation and encouragement in their lives to become their best. I mean, you think about, you know, where do you, people do their best when they are in an environment where they feel valued and they feel supported. And that's, you're going to get the best work out of people when they're in that environment. You're not getting the best work out of people who
0: are afraid. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. An educator with over 20 years of experience, Debbie Tannenbaum works each and every day to transform learning using technology. During her time in education, she has served both as a classroom teacher in various grades and as an elementary technology coach. Outside the classroom, Debbie promotes using technology tools to amplify student learning in her work as an educational technology consultant, author, blogger, and speaker. You can connect with Debbie at tannenbaumtech.com. I'm pretty excited to be talking to Debbie today. We had a we had a lively discussion before I hit record. So um maybe we'll get into some of that later, but welcome to the podcast, Debbie.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about our conversation today.
0: This is going to be great. Um, just talking to you before we hit record. We just had some good conversations. So why don't you do us all a favor and the listeners a favor and kind of round out that little biography that I read because there's so much more about you. and You've got so much more going on. And I would definitely name or talk a little bit about your book, Transform Techie Notes to Make Learning Sticky that just came out. It's almost a year ago, right? It came out last May. Yeah, it actually came out on
1: my birthday. Isn't that cool?
0: Well, happy almost birthday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Transform Techie to Make Learning Sticky um, really originated with me starting blogging. And I started blogging in February 1st of 2019. And a lot of people had told me that once you blog, your ideas really become more refined and that you end up down the road writing a book. And that's kind of what happened with me. As I continued to blog, I really was able to figure out what resonated with me and what resonated with the people who were reading my blog. And so transform is really my journey, but it can kind of act as a framework for others as well. And transform is an acronym. So in the first part, it talks about turning away from closed doors, the beginning of my teaching career when people didn't collaborate at all and how things have changed with that. And then it talks. About revisiting technology's role in education. I share 10 tech tools that I feel like transform education. They give experiences we can't have without the tech. They're versatile and that you can be used with any subject, any grade, and they enhance the learning. And then in that last part of the first part, I talk a lot about empower, not empowering, excuse me, amplifying learning using technology. I'm a huge proponent of using Project Zero's thinking routines. And I really try to promote creation a lot. So that's that first part. In the second part, I start talking about ways that we can empower and really nurture student um, agency. It's re- that's such an important part for me. There's, there's that end. And I talk a lot about icon literacy and really promoting understanding icons. I present a lot on Creating with Littles, and that's kind of where that, all that foundation came from. I started working with kindergartners, and I had no idea what I was doing. And so that's, and then after that, I switch a little bit and I talk about educators. So, S is about about seeking connections beyond your um, school. So, so important. And how to do that. F is finding that PLN and talks about, and it shares ways I did it and ways you can do it as well. And then the last section of the book is kind of takes you to that next level. O stands for offering your voice. It talks about my blogging journey. It talks about, taking more risks and trying to do things like do presentations and how people can take those risks and share their voice. We all have a story to share. Our, in that case, really talks about reaching beyond your expectations and share stories with that. And then the book kind of ends talking about ways that we can maximize learning anywhere and any time. So it, like I said, it's my journey, but there's so many nuggets in there that really help you to see it in your journey. And people who've read it have really told me that it's really digestible and easy to use. That was my goal. I didn't want to create a book where somebody was like, oh, this is so boring. I wanted it to be really you know, easy for people to read, for people to go ahead and grab the book and look at the book and be like, oh, you know, I can do something with it. I wanted it to be sticky. And so I've gotten really good reception based on it right now. I'm starting to talk about doing some book studies, which is kind of fun. But I really, to me, the book was was a project I'd always wanted to do that I never knew I wanted to do. And now that I've done it, it's funny because I love the book. But I also love what, where I've gone since the book as well. And I've been, I'm one of these lifelong learners. I'm always doing something new.
0: I love the idea that you're saying lifelong learner. And a lot of people like to say lifelong learner, but you're actually living it. You're actually acting it out. And before I, before I really go anywhere with that, I want to let everybody know that that book, I'm going to throw the link in the show notes so that once people listen to this, they can go hit that book and pick it up because it's full of good things. But what I'm noticing is almost a theme, right? Or not a theme, but a pathway, which sticks with how you just laid that out. You talk about transforming education. You talk about that first step being transformed and how you almost have to go through a path until you, from, you know, almost like a reflection, getting getting more involved, learning things, nurturing things, and then speaking out and and reaching out beyond maybe where your comfort level is to maximize your totally. learning. So. But that almost makes me think of the phrase, get connected and speak out. If you want to transform education, you have to get connected and speak out.
1: Absolutely. But a lot of people are afraid to do that. It's so funny because I talk, you know, we talk about pre-COVID, post-COVID, but in my life, I have pre-connected educator and post-connected educator. And I'll be honest, I was not a very happy educator pre-social media. And I, and I resisted it. I did not want to go on Twitter. I thought it was for celebrities and whatever. Being a connected educator has completely changed my life, and I am thankful every day that I took that leap because all of the amazing things that have happened to me in the last few years have happened because of those initial that those initial putting myself on Twitter, starting to connect with other educators. Because of that, I started listening to podcasts. All of those things have ripple effects, and so when I see someone who's afraid and they go, well, "I don't want to do that." Well, I try to help them understand They're, they are missing out because I have met some of the most amazing educators because of the connections I have. And then when I get to meet them face-to-face, like the conferences I've been going to, and you know, it's just amazing. Some of my best friends I know from social media, and it's just, it it fills my heart with joy when I get to meet somebody who I've had a relationship with only online. And it's like, we've known each other
0: forever. These are my people. That's awesome. So take me back. Let's take a little quick journey. Take me back to you just starting to get connected. What, what did that for you? What was the push? What made you get on Twitter?
1: It was actually a principal's push. Um, When I joined my county that I'm working at right now, my principal really was into social media. And she basically was like, I want everybody to have a Twitter account and this and that. And I still reluctantly did it, And when I first joined Twitter, I was Mrs. Tannenby, which is a horrible handle. And it just so happened around the same time that I was doing that. I was doing a lot of that same stuff, like with Class Dojo, communicating with my parents anyways. And so it kind of was a really natural. I started to build. And then at the same time, I discovered podcasts around the same time because I had gone to a, a session that she had recommended. Somebody talked about podcasts there. And then I started following people I was podca- that were podcasting. And then... Before I knew it, it just continued to evolve. And as I reached the first year, I started, I ended up in a different school and and I was a tech coach and I wanted people to try Twitter chats, but I couldn't ask anybody to try something I hadn't done yet. So there's that period of what, one and a half, two years that my husband says that he was a Twitterer because I was so hooked on Twitter chats that like, it was like, where are you? Oh, you're on the computer. <laughs> Um, finding that balance, but I've made so many amazing connections from that. I mean, somebody dared me, Jay Billy dared me to write a book as part of a Twitter chat. That's what started me actually writing the book. I was like, I put it out there. I got to do it now. And then I got him to write an endorsement. So it's like all these cool things.
0: That's cool. That's cool. The way you started, you know, it's interesting because so I, I have to ask you this and I've seen it done different ways. Now I'm I'm on Twitter a lot and I do social media and I've done Twitter chats with my faculty with other schools where my school and another school's gotten together over a book study that we were both doing at the same time to have Twitter chats. But that's because I was doing that. I think that's a fantastic piece of leading on your part where you said, hey, I'm not going to ask people. Here I am a tech coach and I'm going to ask you to use a piece of technology that I don't use.
1: No, oh, I can't do that. Right. And I was afraid to do it. I was really, really nervous but I did in anyways, And some of the people that are part of my network, I met through Twitter chats. And honestly, I'm a Teach Better ambassador. And I became part of Teach Better because of Mastery Chat. I became a blogger for them because of that connection. So you just, you, you just never know how a one connection can, you know, lead to something else. It's just amazing to me. And if the people who just choose not to do those things, I understand that's their choice. And I, I mean, let's say, so it was what, five years ago, I just became a connected educator. So for 17 years of my career, I was not a connected educator. The last five years have been the most fun <laughs> and the most rewarding. I, I think I was an okay teacher. I think I'm a great educator now because of these connections. I learn every single day from the
0: people in my network. That's fantastic. So now, because this is about supporting and engaging, right, and how we do that for teachers as leaders, how can we get those individuals that are reluctant? Because you're right, there are people, right, that are going to run out and do it, they're going to pick it up, they're going to play with it, they're going to learn it. There are people that will maybe do it a little bit reluctantly, but what about those people you know they benefit? How can leaders support teachers so that they get engaged in being connected?
1: I think that you really have to start simple. Um, At the first school where I was a tech coach, we did something called a tweet and eat. Somebody gave me a Twitter cookie, a Twitter Twitter cookie cutter, and we just sat down and we talked about how to use Twitter. I made some cookies, um, and we started following each other as a school community. It doesn't. And one of the things, even if you just start within your own school, those connections that you make. I worked in a pretty small school that year. You know, I think we had 450 kids, like small for my district, but nobody knew what was going on in each other's classrooms until we became a Twitter unified community. And so, but not, but you have to be in a place where the culture is ready for it. And some places are, and some places aren't. And so I understand and respect that, but it doesn't have to be, oh, an all or nothing. You can start by just Following people and lurking, and I talk a lot about this in the book as well. Start by just following people who you admire. I mean, when I talk about some people and I get so excited about those people and people are like, I have no idea who you're talking about. Well, those people are people who've influenced me along the way. When I wrote my book, Kesey Bell wrote the Foreword. Kesey Bell, when I first became connected, was my superstar. I was so excited to meet her. I was so excited that she wrote the forward. If I ask somebody in my school who Casey Bell is, they have no idea.
0: (laughs) Now, now let me ask you, what was the reaction when you reached out to Casey Bell to write your forward? She said yes.
1: I, I like, started screaming.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Of course you did.
1: I, like, started screaming, and people are like, why are you screaming? I'm like, Casey Bell. And they're like, who? (laughs) But it was, it was, it, it made, like, it made my day. And she's mentioned in my book because she was a huge influence on me, but it's just so funny because like, you just never know.
0: You know, That's almost a conversation that we could have with teachers, right. As leaders to say, so who do you admire? Right. Right? I mean, if, if teachers are truly moving forward and learning, like we, we talk about wanting to do, there should be somebody out there that they admire yeah. in the field of education. And we could almost have them Pick that person and I mean, hopefully that person's connected on social media, but maybe follow them or lurk them.
1: Well, I think a lot of times, and especially now, teachers are so overwhelmed and teachers right. right now are just fighting to get through every single day. And every single day I watch the teachers that I work with and that I interact with everywhere in that struggle. And so sometimes even saying, okay, this is somebody I admire is hard because you're so in that tunnel vision of I've got to help my kids. And learning loss is a whole different discussion, but I've got to get them, I've got to get them where they need to go. But sometimes we don't have time. We don't allow ourselves time for that. Sometimes the idea of going to one more PD session is more than people can handle. And they don't really understand that it could, you know, fill their spirit. I, I talk a lot about the analogy. If you give somebody a tiny little shovel to dig a hole, it takes a long time. Well, what if you showed them how to use a bigger shovel,
0: you know? Right, right. And I I love how you said that. And there was a distinct difference in your language there where you said, you started to talk about having time, but you adjusted it to allow the, ourselves time. It's so, hard. Uh, uh, it's in, incredibly hard. Truth about everything you said where that, that pressure is real, that stress is real. But the idea of allowing themselves time but that time also has to be created right because there's there's ways to schedule yourself so that you can block out time and so forth but right now when you're just seeing 3 feet in front of you that's not a realistic thing uh, yeah so what kind of ways do you see that leaders could help get that time scheduled into teachers' days or schedules
1: i think a lot of it comes from modeling i mean you know really you know thinking about how are you what what priorities are you setting are you sending emails at all times of the day and expecting a response are you sending them on weekends are you telling your staff that they should be resting but then bombarding them with other things to do like are you modeling the fact that you're going to take time off and do something to fill your spirit you know, all those little things like, and I, you know, and I'm on my own little health journey, but I share with teachers, I wake up and I do some sort of movement for my health every day. Now the food might be the issue, not the movement, but I take time to reflect and I blog and blogging helps me so much. And I don't expect everybody to blog, but I'm purposeful. Like I take that time and everybody in my house knows that, I get up a little bit earlier than everyone else and I take that time because it makes me better all day long. And, you know, not, you know, and a lot of people feel like they have to get to work because they have to do this, they have to do this. I have never been an educator and finished everything on my to-do list.
0: No, the first the first item on your to-do list is to finish the items on the to-do list from yesterday that you never got to. So,
1: it, you know... And so I really, I've been trying to be much more conscious with what I send out on weekends. And yes, sometimes I think of something and I just want to get it out, but I'm really trying not to do that because I want to model that. And I also want to model the fact that, you know, my job is to help teachers make their job easier. I'm here to help teachers use technology in a way that's meaningful. I don't want to give teachers more to do on their to-do list. I want to show them different ways that they can be more, they can look at what they're doing and maybe engage their students a little more, but also engage themselves a little more. Sometimes what we do as teachers, we've done it so many times that we're not even engaged as we're teaching.
0: That's such an awesome point. The idea, you you had me, I lit up as soon as you said, engage ourselves more. Yeah. Um, you know, we're working so hard to engage other people when that engagement would come if we were engaged.
1: Absolutely. And when I, you know, I did a lesson with my first graders where the librarian and I are working together and she's reading books from different cities around the world. Well, I took my students on Google Earth on the, you know, the Pr- Promethean board. And I showed them our school. And then I was like, watch everybody. I'm going to click the fly button. And they watched as we flew around the world to the Coliseum. And they're like, wow. And then we looked at it from the top and we looked around and I said, okay, now we're going to learn about what this place is. Well, I'm excited about it because I've never used Google Earth with my students. They're excited because they feel like they've just gone on a little bit of a trip. And then they got a chance to read about the Coliseum and make a stamp about it. Like, that's exciting. But that does but You know, and that's during a special, but I've also done things with my students where they're, you know, it's directly linked to the curriculum. You know, having students with Desmos, for example, my students were doing this fraction challenge together where they had to figure out how to place four numbers and kind of come up with the greatest sum or the smallest difference. You should have heard the discussion in those classrooms. Those kids were actively engaged. They were discussing numbers. And the teacher was like, wow, this is awesome. She's energized. I'm energized. And the kids, when we're done, say, you made our math muscles work really hard today. (laughs) That's what it's all about. It's not about, you know, I mean, that's what we have to get our kids. We have to get them thinking because we need to prepare them for the future. And a worksheet, unfortunately, doesn't do that.
0: that. That is so well said. I, you know, and it makes me think about as I'm, as I'm thinking about your acronym of the title of your book, it makes me think about finding your voice. And I want to, I want to talk a little bit about that because I see that as individualized and from a leader's standpoint, right? I see that as getting teachers to really step into who they are and be creative and become engaged like we were just talking about, but that's, that's a larger conversation. So I just want to take a couple seconds. We'll hear from our sponsors and we'll come right back with that today's podcast is brought to you by better leaders better schools who put out a great newsletter every sunday called the weekend resource this newsletter provides incredible value sharing tremendous leadership resources from across a variety of resources and i personally love the inspiring quote at the end of each weekend resource because i can use it with my staff subscribe by visiting better leaders better forward slash weekend dash resource I use Anchor to distribute the seeing-to-lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Okay, and we're back with Debbie. And, you know, when we left, we had just, uh, or not we, but Debbie had just talked about um, engagement. and She said something really powerful, the idea that we have to engage ourselves if we're going to engage others. And, you know, Debbie, from my lens as a leader, One of the things that I'm always concerned about or or wondering about is I I try to support teachers in becoming more engaged themselves and engage teachers in that whole idea. And I tie that back to the idea of the O in your title of your book of Transform Uh and offering your voice. So how do leaders support teachers in first finding that voice, right? Where they're going to be creative. They're going to change something. They're going to take a risk. To actually offering their voice where they're doing that, and other people can see it and feel it and hear it. I
1: think it's all about culture and
0: relationships.
1: Um, if that it, I mean, everything in education, I feel like, comes down to relationships. And if you have relationships with your staff as a leader, and you really know what really what they're good at, what they can do, and you promote that risk taking culture yourself your teachers are going to be more willing to do so. A great example of this, have you read the Educulture Cookbook by Michael Earnshaw? I have not. Oh my God, you have to read it. It's such a great book. And he talks about how he puts these recipes in place and how it kind of changed the entire culture of his school. And you know, and how he, he got his teachers to stop being afraid of taking risks and how he really promoted that from, and he, you know, they don't have traditional staff meetings. They're doing things where they're really building that culture. And I just think that's so important. And, you know, in my role as a tech coach, my role is to show teachers that it's okay to try something that they might not willing to try on their own. Before I was a connected educator, I had a lot of fear of administration. I was afraid of getting in trouble all the time. And uh, that's a completely vulnerable moment, but it's true. I don't worry about getting in trouble anymore. Instead, I, I really focus on what our students need because You know, I found the greatest strength in my in my work as an educator being vulnerable, but I was afraid to be vulnerable for a very long time. And being vulnerable is about offering your voice. And if leaders model that, then teachers are going to feel like they can go ahead and have those conversations. I mean, and it's it's small little steps. I was at NC Ties last week and Jerry Brooks was talking about how he puts a candy bowl in his office and people come and grab a piece of candy and they have those two second conversations. But it's those little things that are really important. And so that's what I try to do with my teachers when I go in is we're going to do something. I'm going to hold your hand and help you try something that you might be afraid to try on your own. And it gives them that little bit of scaffolding, just like we might help one of our students when they're learning a skill. And so I think that's and I think that's what leaders need to do. They need to model. And I model all the time that I'm a risk taker. Like, you know, people are like, so where were you this week? You know, but (laughs) it's not like, oh, you're not at school, but we know that you're doing these things and you're, you know, and I share all the time. I brag on my students because and my teachers because if it wasn't for my students and my teachers doing the amazing stuff they did, I wouldn't have anything to share.
0: Now, can we, I love everything you said. Can we just live in one section of that for a minute? If I could just ask you to go a little deeper on one of those things. So you said you changed and you changed. We've talked a lot about change and obviously, you know, your story is in your book, but you changed from, uh, from what you called a pre-connected educator to a post-connected educator. Yeah. And you found that you, you enjoyed your profession so much more and you became such a better educator because of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And so then you were just talking about how you made the other change where you weren't afraid of being fired or, or getting in trouble or anything like that. And, and unfortunately, there are those cultures out there that exist like that. What made that change? Because sometimes when people feel like that, they'll go to another school system and hope that it's a different school system, right? And sometimes they don't. Now, I don't know whether you moved to a different school system or what, but what made that change for you where you no longer feared that you were okay being vulnerable and embracing that vulnerability?
1: A lot of the connections that I've had with other educators, I mean, Teach Better has been such a phenomenal force in my life, knowing that like on Tuesday mornings, I can join the Teach Better admin mastermind and talk to leaders from all around the world or country and get validation that what I am doing is I'm on that right track and get feedback and learn with them. Um, I feel like I spent too much time closing my door trying to stay under the radar. Obviously, I am not under the radar right now, but I'm really proud of what I've done and how I've been able to affect change. I talk when I do my Creating with Little session. I do that session because when I first started creating with Littles, I was playing whack them all over the place trying to get those little heads down and I couldn't do it, you know? I've taken some of those struggles and now I figured out ways to help others. That's what, I mean, educators want to help others. And I love the fact that, you know, I loved doing it in my school, but I love that I can go to North Carolina and share with educators or Texas or wherever I'm going and that I get to have a, you know, a bigger impact and influence impact more students than just the students in one school. I, I love that. And I also love the fact that I get to highlight the amazing things we do it where I'm working. Because when we get those, you know, when I get that little, that kid who couldn't even log on making a Flipgrid video, comparing a fourth to a half yesterday, and they are like, oh, I figured out how to do a backdrop too. You know, <laughs> they're creating and they're first graders. Yeah. My kindergartner is doing things like that. I mean, it's amazing. That's what we need our students to be doing.
0: So let me bump that out to to teachers for a second. OK, because that's that's all that's all great stuff about the idea of impact. But what I keep thinking about is so is the way to get teachers to embrace their vulnerability more is to show them their impact across the community or across the world because we're so connected. And will that connect them? So I by way of example, so I, I, I go, I'm in and out of classrooms and everything, so I obviously take pictures of, of them doing stuff. And I don't wait for, you know, Johnny to be doing the perfect, you know, uh-huh. straw tower project to then brag on it. I take pictures of the teachers teaching in front of the classroom and sometimes the students doing stuff and things like that. But when I then post it, I tag all the other teachers that have Twitter handles in that department. So that they see it. And I'm a big believer. And, you know, if everybody just took a minute at the end of the day to see what other teachers are doing, it would be great. Yeah. But is that how we get teachers to make that change and embrace more vulnerability by showing them the larger impact they're having?
1: Can be. I mean, I think it's just important for teachers to be able to see what other teachers do. I mean, one of the things that I've been reading about recently is the instructional rounds. I read Vicki Wilson's book and we real teachers do not have enough time to see what other teachers are doing and get ideas from them and grow from them. We talk about PLCs all the time, but are PLCs a meeting or are PLCs a genuinely professional learning community? It's a really hard balance. I don't know the answer, but like I have this wonderful privilege of, I get to go in and co-teach with teachers in across my building. I get to see what other people are doing. I get to share things and I can be in one classroom and be like, oh wow, this teacher really does something cool maybe this would help somebody else. Like I get that opportunity and I feel like leaders get those opportunities, you know, when they're in classrooms to do some of that sharing, to highlight some of those things, because I feel like we need to, you know, it's that whole George Curtis thing. We need to shout out the positive so loud, you know, I don't think we do enough celebrating of the educators that, educators in general, not to mention just in our buildings because we're trying to, you know, we're trying to tread water. And I feel like, you know, that's what I, I love being able to share the things that we're doing well, because I feel like I think I was in tr- afraid of getting in trouble for so long because no one ever told me anything I did well.
0: That's a powerful statement. That's something that all leaders need to really think about, because it's not that you're necessarily telling somebody that they're doing something wrong. But if you're never telling them they're doing something right, why would they ever think that?
1: And I mean, there is a validation that I know I get from being part of a PLN. That I didn't have before having a PLN and everybody needs that validation and encouragement in their lives to become their best. I mean, you think about, you know, where do you, what people do their best when they are in an environment where they feel valued and they feel supported. And that's, you're going to get the best work out of people when they're in that environment. You're not getting the best work out of people who
0: are afraid. So that being said, we're getting near the end of the podcast. And I have two questions I ask every guest that comes on this podcast. The first one, who, not what, would you be if you were not an educator?
1: When I originally answered this, I think I said a what, but prior to becoming an educator, one of the things that I've always loved is I really enjoy singing, and I've always just really enjoyed that, and... Um, I'm, you know, I am very involved in my faith and growing up, there was a part of me that wanted to become a cantor. I thought that would be a really cool profession. I would kind of get to like, you know, to lead. I led a lot of services growing up, um, and do that, but I'd also get to do some work with, with kids and adults and this and that, um, didn't end up being the path I took, but it was definitely something I thought about for a little bit That's because cool. it would have taken a lot of those passions and put it together.
0: Right, and now you just took a bunch of other of your passions and put them together. Yeah, <laughs> that's good stuff. So, final question: What's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower their teachers?
1: I think it comes back to what we've talked about before—that whole idea of modeling, of be, of making, sh- of giving teachers that you know that mo- that double track agenda, where you're showing them that they can do those things. And I really do believe being a connected educator is one of the greatest things that you can do. I really believe that you can't just be inside of your classroom. You can't, you can't just be there. You have to see a bigger picture. And especially now where, you know, in so many places, educators might feel under attack. United, we are much stronger and we need educators across the world need to support each other. There's a lot of stuff going on in education right now where, you know, it's our moment to to really work together with this. We can't do this alone. And, you know, one person calling out is not doesn't do a whole lot. But when that person joins with lots of people, then that's where the difference happens.
0: Perfect. So, Debbie, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today. I've had a great time talking with you. I'm sure people have had a great time listening. So how do they get in touch with you to follow up after this?
1: I'm um, super easy. I'm Tannenbaum Tech pretty much everywhere. That's my website, my Twitter handle, Instagram. I kind of do some stuff with LinkedIn, et cetera. I also have a Facebook community for Tannenbaum Tech. Um, so that's probably the best way to get in touch with me. I'm most active on Twitter. That's where I started. And that's kind of my home, Um, but definitely connect with me. I love to work with other educators and share with them and just help them to find ways to transform education using technology.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you very much. You've offered a ton of value to people today. And I, again, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and coming on the show today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome.
0: Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, Be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the scene to lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, Email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at drcsjones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog, continue to improve, and go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E.